Really privileged to be joined by this group of uh, thought leaders in the space of architecture. And everyone here brings a different perspective to this conversation, which is why I think it's going to be uh, fantastic. It's the first time we've had six people at once on Architect Tomorrow. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works. You know, a bit of test and learn, always good. What's interesting for me this year is we, we're still debating the profession, right? We're still facing this existential crisis. Uh, I don't know if that's just because we're conscientious over analytical thinkers that are constantly you know, looking inwardly, at, at, are we good enough? Uh, or, or just the fact that, as, as Paul says, that we, we deal with global scale challenges and we have to try and agree globally on uh, a technology uh, and, and business uh, architecture that underpins every industry out there going. So, of course, this is going to be complicated. It's going to be nuanced. It's going to have different things. But, you know, we've We've seen uh, quite a lot of discussion about, you know, is enterprise architecture dead? Does it need a reboot? Does it need to be redesigned? You know, does it need to be replaced by other things? Um, there's, you know, of course, there's been lots of initiatives, haven't there? There's been TOGAF, which I have a bit of a love-hate relationship. There's been various sort of attempts to do some of these things, but I think, you know, by and large, they're perhaps, you know, used in pockets. It's, it's, it's not widely standardised. Chris Potts, I wanted to ask you, because I know this was this was uh, this came your way recently on on social media. Is enterprise architecture dead? Has it failed? Um, but given given you mentor you know quite a few enterprise architects out there, I just wanted to kind of get your perspective on you know isn't this dead now? Because that's what everyone's everyone's saying, right? Uh, no, and uh, no uh, is the answer to that. I mean, I, I'm still very much alive, and the work I do is very much alive, and the people I mentor, um, their, their their work is very much alive and valued by the people they work with. In fact, I, I don't have, I mean, I don't have an existential crisis about uh, my role as an architect and designer. I, I don't know anybody, actually, personally, that I've worked with over the years who ever had an existential crisis. So we might come back to who, who exactly has this existential crisis, if it's interesting. What I would say is that this conversation that happened on LinkedIn the other day was a bit of dodgy marketing between you, you me, and the audience. Uh, so I don't give it too much oxygen by, by referring to it too much. So... No, it hasn't. And no, we haven't. And uh, what bothers me a lot as a mentor is I'm working with people to, to help boost their success in the job they've currently got, help sort of plan and boost their careers. And we're talking about people's um, passions and livelihoods here, okay, their careers. And, and sort of throwaway comments on LinkedIn are all good fun, possibly. But if anything like that really caught on, I mean, we are talking about people's livelihoods and that bothers me a lot. Yeah, you know, in my experience of being an enterprise architect, I think there was an awful lot of internal um, pushback, right, on enterprise architecture, because sometimes it's inconvenient what uh, architects call out. is like, no, you, you shouldn't be you know, taking shortcuts there or you should be taking a bigger picture view of what you're doing. And, and so I wonder whether there's some people that perhaps find architecture inconvenient because it's sort of guide rails and it's governance that they'd rather uh, ignore. I don't know if you have a sort of... Well, that was the whole point of design, really, is to sort of create something that sort of constrains us to something yeah. we're supposed to be building and using. Yeah. Otherwise, nothing's designed and there's no constraints. So it kind of like goes with the territory. It's not so much whether there are guardrails or constraints. It's how we go about, you know, applying them in practice that people find valuable rather than uh, yeah. anything else they might find. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, to go back to, you know, is enterprise architecture today? No, but I mean, I'm the guy that wrote a book um, about 12 years ago called Recreation 
And I'd explored at the time uh, in fictional form quite a lot of the experiences I'd had, but not with the same people in the books. And actually, the, uh, it seemed a fun thing to do at the time, and it sort of caught on. It's as say you're a new enterprise architect into a company, and you go into the chief executive, and he says, what do you do? You go enterprise architecture, and he goes, me too. We must have the same job. We should see each other. And, and it kind of there's, a big, there's an important point to that. And I think going back to the discussions that are going on, what, what I see on the side of that dodgy marketing discussion where people are taking it a bit more seriously is that, um, that people are contemplating what seems to be two potential models or, or versions of what we're talking about, how you do this in an enterprise in practice. One of which um, is probably the most common one people talk about, which have a team. Uh, and they do, they do maps and they do roadmaps and they sort of help guide investments. And the other one is the entire opposite. You have a sort of loose network of people who can do some of this work, um, all of which they're in expertise, many of whom are not called architects. And the people on my list of mentoring clients, you know, I've got a lot of architects, also designers, um, I've got CIOs and so on, all, all the way through, I've got all sorts of people. So there is a sort of question as to whether enterprise architecture is actually a collective thing that people across an enterprise do in a network, or whether it's sort of run by a central team. So I wrote about that today on LinkedIn. And my experience is that kind of the best solution is there's going to be a sort of bit of both. Yeah. And in fact, the central team is there to sort of guide and manage and coordinate a web network of all sorts of designers, analysts and things, including chief executives. I think you're bang on there. I think what's interesting okay. over the, you know, clearly... Um, before I became a, 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 an architect, before I joined the, the profession, clearly there's been an evolution, right? I think mean, initially perhaps yeah. there was one enterprise architect in an organisation and they attempted to get their arms that around. That was me. I did yeah. That. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and I think what's clearly happened is we've got more specialisation, more domains, we've kind of carved things out. And so talking about domains, I'd like to turn to, to, to Wendy next. So um, you know, uh, Chris mentioned a, a debate uh, with actually with Intersection, who are talking a lot about enterprise design. And it was interesting to hear Chris describe himself actually as enterprise designer first. But, um, you know, so this whole concept of enterprise design over enterprise architecture, is, is, is that just semantics? Or is this about aligning with the latest trends for design thinking? And, and you know, of course, I see design thinking as an element of business architecture. So what do you, what's your sort of perspective on, on this one? Yeah, well, so first of all, to say intersection enterprise design, I'm a big fan of the people, the concepts and the work. So that's important. I think there is tremendous power in identity, experience and architecture. That is a trifecta from outside to in. We all are going to blend different, I think, roles, right? We, we blend different things. We blend different disciplines as we show up. Um so I think the most important takeaway here is that I don't know that there's just one way. I don't think this is an expansion of architecture or even a business architecture specifically. And to take it, you know, zoom up even further, I think the real answer, the real way to, to sort of crack this nut here is to look at the full collection of teams because it takes a village to get ideas into action from strategy to execution or to design or redesign an organization. And so while I think it's important to hone in and marry these two disciplines, we also have to think about and work together cohesively with strategy and organization design and organizational change management and process and, and so on and so on. And so I think um, I think that the bigger question is always bringing it up to the why and how teams work together and then allowing disciplines to be clear, but allowing each of us to blend roles as it makes sense in our own personal and organizational context. Um, in, in your question about um, design thinking, 
I, I look at that as a creative problem-solving methodology, human-centered, and I think for all architects and most other people, that's a competency we need and we need to apply it, maybe in strategy formulation, in design, and in, in solving problems. So that one in particular, I look at as, as something that we should all really be, be using and doing and familiar with. Uh, I, I really like that. Thank you. And I think the concept of, you know, ultimately architecture work gets done or design work gets done and how that exactly is sort of shaped and works in your organization comes back to this 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 phrase that i really like which um i think colin smart actually said at a, a, an enterprise architecture conference which was that you know you have a you have a garden regardless whether you have a garden or not you have a you have an enterprise architecture regardless whether you have architects and and, and quite how you just choose to manage that garden and you know it, it, it is um you know, it is up to each organization to kind of work that out, what, what works best for them. And so, Chris Lockhart, um, it, it isn't a lot of the challenge in this space that it's hard to measure the success of EA then. You know, it's hard to, it, it, I guess, this is where it differs from a garden. It's fairly obvious when a garden has been to a garden because it looks a lot neater than when it's just allowed to grow weeds. But in my experience, it's always hard to justify architecture initiatives because it's like sometimes people don't really trust you that if you don't have it, it's going to be better than without it. Do you, What's yeah, I, that? yeah. I mean, I'll paraphrase something, right? The, the business of a business is their business, right? It's it's not to build cool technical implementations of things, and you know, oh, look at this dashboard. This is so cool. Look, at, we're going to invest all this money in Snowflake, and we're going to connect, and it's going to be amazing. All this technical stuff. At the end of the day, it's like, so what? Are you if you're using it to facilitate decision making? either with better data or maybe it's done cheaper or faster or whatever, so you can get a competitive advantage. Uh, great. Um, if it's done for the sake of just doing it because it's cool, because you have an IT budget and you got to spend it. I mean, that that's not the reason to do it. Right. right. I mean, I, and, and, and I mean, this shows up, right. Especially in the consulting space, you know, in all my years of working in consulting, either technical or management advisory consulting, we never sold an architecture project ever. Right. There was architecture as part of something that was being sold, at, you know, in the product space or the market space or whatever it is, right? But yeah, we need we need a, we need some technology pieces, and we need um, someone that has the visibility to be able to connect what the technology can do with what we're asking it to do from a business perspective. But you know, never did anyone ever say yes. We'll give you a million dollars to draw some really nice diagrams, and you know, uh, let, let's model it all out and. What, 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 you know, are, is it TOGAF or, you know, are you going to use you know, this or that? No one ever asked us any of that stuff. Right. It was just sort of like, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I, and so, and so from my perspective, right. You know, you know, is the garden there without the gardener, the business is there. Right. And the functions, the activities that, that I know Paul, right. Is, is in particular really wants to codify into like, this is what architects should do and, and how they should do it. Those things in some form or another, kludgy kind of sort of happen sometimes anyway right in other words it's not maybe done effectively maybe it's not done well but someone figures out something um and and you can see the differences between businesses that have this really well figured out and those that don't right and you can see that how they perform differently um so you know yeah, I think, so the analogy, to continue the analogy, right? The garden is always there. Some of them just have a lot of weeds in them, right? And some of them are kind of well manicured and well-maintained. The ones that are really effective at producing high yields, 
in the garden are the ones that have the folks like the, the various forms of architects that can actually understand what's supposed to happen and, and, and then how to have it, how, how to help it happen. Right. That would be my take. I don't want to wade into, by the way, design versus architecture. That's not my forte. So I don't want to touch I, that I, one. I, I feel like that's very much a semantic, a semantics kind of uh, thing that would waste a bit philosophical uh, rather than practical and pragmatic. But staying on the kind of IT sort of, it's nice that you flagged this whole, whole IT sort of piece. Because of course, there's the whole debate about, you know, is EA and IT and all that sort of stuff. But again, we'll, we'll park because it's been done to death before. But what I wanted to do was talk to talk to Phil about some people that are going even further than that and saying, actually, we don't need the IT department, let alone architecture anymore, right? We, we um, you know, IT, IT is dead. And it's interesting, a former boss of mine, a former architecture boss of mine, even said this to me uh, a couple of years ago. He sent me a message saying, we're still doing architecture. That hasn't, hasn't AWS and, and Azure sorted all, sort of all that out? And I, I did sort of chuckle, but uh, and he and he knows it's not just technology architecture. He 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 knows about business architecture as well. But so he, I think he was just trying to wind me up. But uh, you know, clearly there has been a, a bit of chatter as well, haven't there, Phil? About do we even need the IT department in 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 a, in a time when we have cloud service providers? Um, do we even need technology architects in end user organizations? What do you think? You know, when I hear someone say that IT is dead, I know that I'm talking to an accountant. <laughs> Those are the people that say that kind of stuff. You know what? I've been at this a long time. And I remember having these conversations many years ago. You know, is, is it just like plumbing and all of that kind of stuff? And then obviously, listen, if there is not a problem here to solve, we shouldn't have a job. But there is a problem here to solve. And that is what we are here to do. And so I think that's why this gets done. And, uh, you know, I... I, to me, I always wonder about inside various organizations, what were the presenting problems that someone said to begin with this? Like, we need a plan because Hegelty Peggledy isn't doing this yet, or doing this for us anymore, right? I mean, Oliver, you can build a doghouse out of anything, but you cannot build a castle out of anything. You got to have a plan, right? And I think if you're going to put together a city or anything that's complicated, anything that is non-trivial, then it's going to benefit from thinking about the design of that thing, right? And how are we going to build it? And what are the tools and rules and all of that kind of stuff? So I'm not worried about this being dead because here I am, I'm an old man and we're still talking about this. Yeah, and again, I don't want to get into the whole IT versus digital debate because again, that's another one that's been been done to death. But um, Paul, um, we come we come we come to you, and I know you've probably been itching itching to to, to, oh. to jump to jump in. So well done, well, not for mute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you, were, you, were, you were very very well behaved and muted. So so well done. But look, I mean, yeah, you and I have been working on 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 the bitter block, and um, you know what was really interesting for me was the piece that you put out recently around the practice model and the article that you wrote kind of accompanying that around that you, you were challenging the need for, for enterprise architects as a role. And, and you, you were saying, I mean, correct me here if I'm, if I'm wrong, you know, absolutely, we need specialists, we need different domains, we need, you know, a practice model, but actually we need a chief architect over the top of that. Talk, talk to us a little bit about, about, about that and, and why you think that's the case now rather than well, first, first and foremost, I don't need you laying the, you were challenging the need for chief architects as the byline for, 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 for the, what people were. So I ask questions. My bright idea years and years ago was 
exactly this uh, collaboration, which was professions follow rules, right? That for some, you get you get one of two things. You get this maximum amount of freedom to do whatever to call enterprise architecture, domain architecture, platform architecture, software, business. We have the maximum amount of freedom with the least amount of liability right now. So that's a good thing for us, right? We can charge massive daily rates and have absolutely no consistency and no credibility at all as a group. Now, I wouldn't lay that at the feet of anyone on this call. You're all successful, you're all capable, and you're all driven by ethics. But that's not the other people. I had, uh, I mean, I've had an, uh, an architect from a, a major organization say, it is well known in our organization that we do not care what our customers need, only what they will buy. With the title of chief enterprise architect at that company. Professions follow rules. Those rules are there for a purpose. If uh, half of the things that, the, that we've said on this call, if you applied those to doctors, all of us would be dead. All of us, right? There is no... The CEO of a hospital is not the chief of medicine, right? The chief of medicine sees patients. The CEO runs a business. They may be, they are definitely, and I have interviewed chief, chiefs of medicine on this. They are interested in the same things. They're interested in the number of patients. They're interested in the number of clinical trials. They're interested in all these things, right? So professions follow rules and those rules, and this isn't me, this is a Harvard professor, right? That says management is not a profession. This is um, the, the, the Suskin brothers uh, uh, that talk about uh, the future of professions, right? We have a societal prop proposition. We get one of them. Doctors heal people. Accountants, I don't know what their societal, uh, like spreadsheets, I don't know. Um, <laughs> wait, no, architects like spreadsheets. So I don't know. There's, there's all sorts of ways to take that. So my point is that that's one of the rules. There is a single career path to specialization because it supports the value proposition. Um, they cannot be promoted outside of the chain of professional growth, right? The CEO of a hospital can't walk over to a janitor and say, hey, guess what? You're the new surgeon, which is how most of us get our titles today, right? That's it's so true. You're, you're, you're dead right. I mean, like if I look at my career, well, one day I, I, I was a development team lead and then I realized we needed a solution architect and I, I was working for a, for a medium-sized company at the time and we were doing consult, consulting and I essentially just changed my job title and everyone just accepted it. You know? I, 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 when I did my first, I was a, I, so like Phil, I got a liberal arts degree in Japanese and Asian religion because I'm that weird guy, right? Um, the, uh, the point is, is when, when I did a successful product for Dell, uh, they asked me what title I wanted. And I said, chief architect sounds great. And they went, okay, sounds good to us too. I was always like 26, right? So the, um, and, and there's other things. There are rigorous guidelines. You can exit somebody from a profession when they break ethical norms. I had a person, I had a Citadel Distinguished on the phone about three days ago who said, I went from this company where I fired these three people and I moved companies and they were working there as architects, right? They, they weren't laid off. They were fired for, for, for cause. So, and we all know these people, right? They bounce from employer to employer. So, so again, I ask questions. One of my questions is how much of the architect professional titles are based simply on not having enough architects in the world, are based on scope. So why do we have enterprise architects? Well, we didn't have enough architects, so we had to move up to cover more scope. 
That was where they originated. And they originated out of IT, but that doesn't mean they should stay there. I don't have, I don't, I don't have skin in that game, who you report to. Um, what my question, fun, the, the questions fundamentally are, can I demonstrate a competency model that is unique? So, so for example, if the CEO is the chief architect, which you can't make a profession, and then you can't, you, you, and because it can't have a competency model, because anybody can be a CEO, hello, <laughs> I just invented a company, right? So the, the point is, is these questions are not being answered. And I think that's why we're still having this debate is because we're not really willing yet to give up our freedoms uh, that, that, that we enjoy to be able to answer these questions effectively. I mean, you're right. We're, 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 turkeys don't vote for Christmas, right? And so if someone says, do you know what? Do you want lots of flexibility about what you call yourself, the work you do, the, the frameworks you use? Or actually, do you want to be more like a doctor? Do you want to pay, you know, thousands of thousands of pounds extra qualifications and professionalization and all this sort of stuff? Of course, everyone's going to vote for the cheaper, more flexible, uh, looser sort of version. And 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 then we're 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 back to trust, don't we? We that we trust that we get the hiring process right, that we get other things like that right. But I mean, I think, but yeah, I mean, I'm interested though, Chris Potts, in your thoughts on on on, on this. I mean, do you think? we need is this is this a problem is is ea sort of still a wild west or do you think it's been around long enough now that we can weed out the sort of unethical ones relatively easily i mean what what's your take yeah i just i mean i will comment on that just come back to i want to agree with something paul said um particularly because um this this thing that happened the other day on linkedin if we were a, a regulated profession that would be considered bringing the profession to distribute Okay, because it affects everybody in the profession if somebody speaks out sort of a bit randomly with things like our profession is dead, our profession has failed. And so bringing in, if we did bring up, we're able to bring in sort of um, formal standards around how we communicate. Of course, we would deal with um, the cowboys, if you like, with your Wild West thing. Uh, that's what professions do. I mean, they do and they need to because we can't have doctors taking Paul's thing uh, being bad doctors. Uh, but the question of bringing it into disrepute is an important one. And we do have the freedom, as people have had recently, to express anything they like about anything to do with an enterprise architect. Uh, and there's nothing we can do about it apart from say, well, that's freedom of expression. I'm just reflecting. And uh, the work that I do is with people who are doing architectural work. And so what, what defines what we do is that they are, they are doing things that are valued based on how we value architectural work. They are doing architectural work. They, they don't have always architect job titles. Some of us have been CEOs, it's true. And I'm here to, when, when they want me to help them do the architectural work they're doing. So in the situation, one of the, you know, a number of people who said, look, I don't have an enterprise architect at the moment. Uh, I want to be, and I want to experience being, our enterprise's chief architect for now until I get another one. Can you help me? And the answer is, of course. Because, you know, go back to the, to the garden analogy, um, it's, it's, it needs not only sort of trimming and things, it actually needs re-sculpting. It's a landscape architect coming in our analogy, not just a landscape, sorry, a, a garden maintenance guy or lady. Um, and so, of course, we're going to do it because it moves on, the organisation moves on that enterprise in a way that otherwise it won't move. It'll sort out some of the issues that we're here to sort out and also give, us some of the, give them some of the advantages of having an architect. So kind of, that's a bit tricky, you see, because I think we, we I've, I mean, I participated years ago in something called SEEP, which was, um, if anyone in SEEP, yeah, in SEEP, Paul, you know, in which we laid out 
professional standards. We laid out the value of what we do to society. We laid out the volume of what we do to enterprises. And quite what happened to CEPA, I kind of lost the thread a bit. Um, but uh, we, we did that. And I'm still supporting the idea that what we, we need to be clear, and we are clear, the, why we have architects. It's been, we know why we have architects. And we know what they should do and shouldn't do. One last comment about yeah. the enterprise design thing is that, I mean, it's I've been an enterprise designer before I was an enterprise architect. That's, that's in parallel with other kinds of media, if you like, in which architects and designers express themselves, is there are both. And one of the confusions that can come is if enterprise architects sort of do other design work that actually somebody else should do, um, because then everyone gets confused about you know, where, where architects stop and designers start. So that's I wouldn't suggest, yeah, go on. Yeah, sorry, that's a really that's a really great point, actually, which I kind of yeah, the the fact that and I have a saying which is just because you can doesn't mean you should. And Absolutely. I think it's really true when it comes to because of course, as we've all discussed, as we've all mentioned, we've all come up through different sort of you know pathways mm. to get to where we are. And of course that means you have the ability to do other things. And I think the the hardest one I would say I've seen people try and jump from is solution architecture to enterprise architecture, because so often people get become this sort of super senior solution architect rather than a true enterprise architect because they're never able to sort of break out of that solution architect thinking I mean, and really I, i'm sorry I'm they, get, they, get, they get dragged back into the into this into the solution I, of... I really i really have to interject we we should we should police ourselves and nobody on the call get to say a true anything i i because we don't we, that, that that word is it says it we've already you know, jumped people up into these people are in and these people are out where we have absolutely no codifying way to tell who's right. Like we don't have a model by which somebody is a true enterprise architect outside of opinion. Isn't part of that, Paul, the confusion of role and title, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it, and Oliver, you pointed out, right? It's like, oh, you know, solution architect became an enterprise architect. Well, th those are different sets of activities, right? So like, how do just because you got promoted from a level 12 to a 13 or whatever the heck it is, right? You know, that doesn't mean your title suddenly becomes a different type of architect, right? Because the and, role and, is and, different. And it happens the other way around as well, right? People get to the point where um, HR needs to give them a different job title in order to reward mm. them, in order to keep them in the organization. We see, we see that, I've seen that a lot as well, right? You get people with that title because of it, it comes with a certain pay and remuneration scale. Um, so I think that I've seen both examples of where someone has genuinely made the jump and then other times where people are just given a, a, a new so, new so think about it like in your in your consulting experience, Oliver. Right, you you're 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 a senior associate or you're a manager. Right, your your title, your level, your pay grade, your rank, if you, for lack of a better term, right, generally aligns with the kinds of things you would do for a client on a project. And oftentimes, it's like you know, they you know, it, it, it's very clear in the statement of work. Here is the title of the person performing this role, and the role is. X and you can make you know the argument is whether is that is that person qualified to do that role but you know that's the role and it's not the title right so if you're on a project you're the solution architect you're not senior associate of level two or whatever <laughs> I mean I don't know I I, I, and the, I think we need to be a bit careful with the rank thing as well right because I think for a lot of time it was seen that like EAs were this sort of career destination but actually ever to put to, to other people's points that were already made. Everyone has their specialization. Everyone has their value. And I think this sort of hierarchical view of architecture isn't helpful. Um, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'd say I, the work I've always done, the work I've done with other people, is we're always valued based on our contribution. 
um, to other people's success because we have to be, otherwise we've got no means of being successful ourselves. Yeah. Nothing to do with ranking or titles. You know, your value as an architect is your contribution. Wendy, did you have something to add on it? Yeah, can I can I come back? Paul, Paul, you said something really significant that I think is really good to sit with, and that is, are we willing to give up our freedom in support of a bigger purpose? I think a lot of it does come down to that. I think that's 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 really key. I recently read something from Farnham Street, so I have to give them credit, but they said, um, don't be on the wrong side of right. In other words, don't be... Don't be on the side where where you want to be right, even though you're sacrificing what's best for the the, the bigger picture. So I uh, don't know that we can solve that, but just to say, I think that's that's at the heart of this. From my particular perspective, um, where, where I come down on this is, is I do see the architecture and the architects. And, and to me, I think these things actually coexist and I see an and here, right? So um, from, from, from my lens, uh, I see at least from a business architecture perspective, sort of a Venn diagram where um, that, that business architecture piece, that capability lens has arguably missing as part of strategic management. And then there's a continuum of business architecture also on the other side of the Venn, uh, sort of the tip of the spear to, to um, work with enterprise architecture. So I still think that when it comes to professionalization that more side towards the the enterprise architecture side can be professionalized and there's a unique and missing and rigorous role for architects though i also think part of what we do on a daily basis and this is why architecture and other people using architecture is relevant because we have some gaps that are missing and we see it we're big picture people and we're trying to influence that change in, in different mindsets i'd like to agree with that if i could take the microphone totally um, when I started out as an architect in 1995, I was given two what we now call domains to look after as a customer value domain, customer value domain, which was sort of the sharp end of being a business, and the enterprise investment domain, which kind of I called it in the end because it didn't have a name. Um, coming in from there's the value of the customer, the value of the enterprise itself, and the whole question, which I know we, we're we're getting onto about um, the the way in which enterprises invest in changes, architectural or not, the way they prioritize their goals and so on, that was all something which was missing and may still be missing from people's capability maps and so on. Um, and I've had to kind of make it up with some other people along the years. And, and so, yeah, the missing bits, because we're big picture thinkers, I was just, something, it all started with the executive saying, how do we know our projects are achieving our goals? It's like, well, yeah, so just want to agree with you in a long way around. Enterprise investment um, at the time I started was completely missing. And it's something I've ended up working on a lot. You know, I, I want to really, really highlight how important that is as a competency. So, you know, we get booed at, uh, the funny thing is, is I, I, think, I think I designed a, 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 a perfect spot where I get booed at every conference I go to because I make somebody so angry. Um, <laughs> so we speak at, at, at software architecture conferences and we work with dev leads or, or solution, uh, solution delivery, you know, engineers that want to become architects. And we say, no, 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 you wanna be a software architect, you have to learn business skills. You have to learn investment planning and prioritization. You have to learn you know, customer journeys and you need to understand capabilities and objectives management and these things. And they say, why? I don't, this is, uh, that's not architecture. And if you take the thought leadership in that space that you know, there, there's a real live debate. If you don't write code every week, are you an architect? Yeah. And so, we, we have these 
huge, these Venn diagrams, as you said, and I think that was probably the, the, the most brilliant angle of that, of the people with the title architect in it. And then these, these public, very, very public, no, the ones I worry about are in front of our stakeholders. We have these horrible sort of pointing fest. You're not a real architect. No, you're not a real architect. You're, and it's like 20 years of, of that. And it's no wonder then that the business stakeholders start to go, what, what the hell? And I'm really confused. Yeah, why do I? What value why I getting out of this? Are you a strategic management consultant? Because I can go, I can go hire McKinsey or Arthur, mm. you know, you know, Anderson or whatever, and, and I can go get me a strategic management consultant. They have an MBA from Harvard. They've worked in my industry for 25 years. They know, you know, they 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 consult with CEOs every day. They, you know, they're a partner. They, they I can go get that person. Why do they need to be called an architect? What value to society and to our profession does that bring? Yeah. Look, clearly we could go on about this topic for a long time. And, and the beauty is we are going to continue this conversation on each other's podcast. So I look forward to picking up, picking up the thread. I mean, clearly there's the consulting architect sort of angle. Uh, there is the technology sort of architect. There is the business architect. There is uh, the, the portfolio management and investment sort of side of this. There's all the different dimensions. And I think, for, for, for me, I mean, I'm not going to better close this because this conversation is going to continue. But let, let, let's sort of put a put a break on it here and, and say, uh, I, I, I think everyone knows I'm, I try to be as pragmatic as possible. And for me, I think that there's a whole bunch of reasons we've touched on why this is such a problem. But it's it's the fact that I think that there's so many different businesses and, and different industry sectors we, we we work within, as well as the fact that the world of technology is never going to stop changing. Right? It's all there's always new innovation and there's and, and, and so in a way, because we see all this stuff changing and all this innovation, I, I, I kind of feel like that means we reinvent ourselves as well as, as architects to, to remain relevant, but also to kind of keep, keep current and keep up. And I think that maybe there is, there's a bit of, no, we've been around long enough now. We do, there are some patterns, there is some codification, there is, there is some trade-offs we're going to have to make around freedom versus sort of professionalization. But I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all on the respective podcast this year and thanks again for your time it's good that we got some proper we got some proper argument going on which is always good uh thank you for calling me out paul on on stuff and uh i look forward to that continuing uh on the next one thanks everybody yeah thanks for the invitation thank you. yeah thank, thank you, you.